Hi. Hi. <laughs> so this morning we're going to do a little tag team, which means Paul's going to have a very awesome message. I'm going to jump in there, uh, right? Um, but he, he has a, a way of seeing things that is different than the way I see things, right? And that how sometimes it is with uh, your spouse, certain things that he doesn't know how to use a screwdriver, but I can. <laughs> well, <clears throat> let's just start this thing. Why don't we just okay. Because uh, once it gets started, it's going to be great. All right? So, Michael, play the first video. Somebody get, get the lights or something. You're not even going to give a prep for what this is? No, 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 no. All right, I will. I'll brief prep. We're in, we're in Zimbabwe. And so we're going to zip line across the Zambezi River from Zambia across the river to Zimbabwe. And I was really excited to go i mean i wanted that's one of the things i wanted to do i mean I've, actually I've, you wanted to bungee jump let's be honest that, that, yeah but you asked them if it, people with bad hips could do it and then they wouldn't let me so my mom grounded me and uh but uh, i mean i've done almost every excursion there except bungee jump but the next time my excursion is i'm going k um um what's it called of uh, uh, cage diving Scuba dive in a cage with crocodiles. No, no, no. That's the next. That's what I'm doing next year. Okay, so let's roll the so, beautiful bean footage. Yeah, go ahead. This is uh, me, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Not a big deal, right? Not a big deal. It was beautiful. Beautiful, wasn't it? Beautiful. All right. So, so I went and got to the other side, and I'm sitting over there waiting, and, you know, and I see them on the other side of the, the gorge, you know, and Ginger's getting ready. I don't know what's going on until I see this video. Oh, 
Did you notice that she never had her eyes open? Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, oh gosh. When I saw that, I mean, for a solid hour, I laughed because I couldn't see it from the other side, you know, because of the noise and, and everything. But when I saw that, it was... <laughs> You, you saw you watch it. You know. I cannot believe what she said. Up. This is she's destroying it after the, today's yeah, service. Nobody has to see a repeat of it. Oh, good lord. Let me ask you this Who was braver, her or I? She was more scared, she had to overcome something to do it. Now, I mean. <laughs> I mean, I've done a lot of stuff. I mean, I've, I've, done, I've done everything. I mean, base jumped. I've done it all. I mean, and I'll, I have a zest for that kind of thing. You know, I really enjoy doing these, those, those things. I mean, I told Justin next time we go, he's, he's going to go cave diving with the crocodiles with me. He said, no, I'm not. I said, well, you can watch. <laughs> but I'm doing it, you know. But Ginger's always safe. Always. <laughs> Always safe. And next week, we're going to show a picture of our, our when we went down those, that same river, um, whitewater rafting, where I'm in there, and she's facing the back like this. You know? But she overcame everything. I was, I mean, aren't you proud? Well, I would be. <laughs> well, I it's would. interesting. Probably the worst fight of our entire marriage was we, we didn't even have, uh, we had Joel at this time and, and he wanted to do scuba diving and he signed up for the class and was doing it. And then they were going to go to a lake there in Texas. And he wanted me to scuba dive with him. He just, please scuba dive with him. And I absolutely refused. I was like, I'm not doing it. And we got into the worst fight because he was like, you just won't do anything out of, your comfort zone. You just won't do anything. And I was like, you're exactly right. I will not. I will not. And it was like the worst fight that we ever had. And so as I've, as I have, I still won't scuba dive. I'm sorry. That's, that, that's just not, that's just not on the agenda. But I, I did come to this realization that, that taking risk and doing things that, that's even out of your comfort zone and even out of this place of just doing it scared anyway is, is, it's, it's exhilarating. I don't ever want to do it again. I don't ever want to do it again. <laughs> it's not that exhilarating, otherwise. But, yeah. But can you see that? Well, it, I just see things in a different way than she sees things. That doesn't make me braver. That doesn't make me more adventurous. That doesn't, that doesn't make me anything. It doesn't make her any better than me. But we fit together well. I mean, I've always done stuff like that my entire life, Right? It's fun. It's fun. 
But what's funny about it is the next time I went to Victoria Falls, I had Mike and Angela, Michael and Angela with me. And I said, what are y'all going to do on your excursion? You know, said, I don't know. I don't know. And then they said, well, I said, what? Tell them, I said, well, you, hey, you got a zip line, the Zambezi River. Oh, no, he said. <laughs> you mind if I tell this? I'm sorry. Okay. He said, oh, no. He said, I won't do anything like that. I said, why not? He said, same reason I won't ride a ride at a fair. I said, what are you talking about? He said, have you seen the people that put those things together? <laughs> Good point. Good point. But he said, I've seen some people around here, and I've seen some people that aren't right, you know, quite right, and they may have been the people that put that, that zip line up. And uh, they ended up going in a helicopter, which is great. But anyway, I said, let me ask you a question, Michael. Have you ever been to the re to a place called Burger King? Have you seen the people that put that food together? Where's your line? You know, <laughs> you know. I mean, you got to have some faith. You got to have some trust. You got to have some bravery in everything in life. You have to be brave about something, right? So. In Joshua, put up my first scripture. Oh, we had this conversation last night, too. Uh, Ginger said, I'm, I'm reading the scriptures because you can't read well. He mumbles over the words, and it drives me crazy. So, so and, I and I agreed with her because, you know, she had to read to kids all the time, you know. And she was a teacher, and I, the only time I have to read to anybody is here. He so. doesn't read very well, Mom. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, not, I'm shaming. I'm not learning disabled, and she just reads better than me. I can do ziplining better. Truth and yeah. scuba dive. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the scripture that we're going to read out of Joshua, I, I think it's important, uh, Googling it, it says that uh, do not be afraid is mentioned like 365 times in the, in the Bible. One for every day. Yeah. Crazy. Also, fear is mentioned in the King James Version over 500 times. It's something real. It's something that we definitely um, struggle with. One of the most often repeated commandments in the Bible is do not fear. Anything before anything happened, just, you know, incredibly, it was like do not fear, do not fear. So I, I think it's important that we understand that fear is definitely a motivator and it can keep you, you know, it can, it can definitely be a safeguard, but it also means that sometimes we'll be afraid, but we shouldn't allow fear to immobilize us. Right. To not allow us to, um, to be willing to do some of the things that God calls us to do. Because when he calls us to do some things, sometimes they can be pretty scary. So let's look up here. It says, be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success look at nine Have you got nine back there can you get it real quick verse nine have i not commanded you be strong and of good courage again 
Do not be afraid. Say it with me. Do Do not not be be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He's talking to Joshua. God's talking to Joshua before he takes control of, he takes Moses' place. But he's going to be a general instead of a prophet like um, Moses was. And so he has to approach people differently. So God's given him instruction. And just these four verses, three times God tells him to be strong and courageous. Okay, so this man is 80 years old. That's not young. How is he supposed to be strong? See, we're looking at this and we're not really digging into it the way that God wants us to. He's saying you be strong in the spirit and strong in your mind. Be strong in, 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 in all other ways. He wasn't talking about a physical strong. That's not what he was talking about because he was talking to an 80-year-old man. An 80-year-old man, not gonna, you know, he ain't going to bow up on some 18-year-old, you know, 20-year-old. It's not going to happen. It's not, it's not a strength thing. And what I thought was so great is that his first battle as a general, he never picked up a weapon. They just told him, be strong and courageous. Let the word of the law not depart from your mouth and, and, and meditate on it day and night. And, and God will speak to him. So they get to the first place. Does anybody know the name of the sound, the city, the fortified city? Huh? Jericho. Jericho is the first place that Joshua. he came to after this conversation. Greatest victory they've ever had, and they never raised a weapon. Why? Because he's courageous. He was strong. He was strong in his mind. He was hearing from God. He was strong. And um, I just think that it's so cool that, um, that God chose his general to choose nothing violent from his hand but to cause the death of everybody in Jericho with the exception of Rahab. Isn't that cool? God's going to talk to people in different ways. He talked to Moses differently than he talked to Joshua, and they were leading the same group of people. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? I, think it's, I just think it's so cool that he's talking about physically strong. It's not it. It's there's. <laughs> I've heard that, that, um, that old adage about, you know, there's two dogs inside of you. One's evil, one's good. Which one's going to be bigger? It's the one you feed. Meditate on the word day and night. Let it not depart from your mouth. Be strong and courageous. God knew that fear was going to be something that we would deal with every single day of our life and that we had to overcome on an, a fluid basis. It's not one thing that's going to scare you. It's not two things that's going to... It's going to be a multitude of things. Every day you're going to face something that's going to cause people to fear. It may not cause you to fear because... Of this. But it's going to cost somebody. Fear is an issue that God knew we were going to have trouble with. He knew we were going to have trouble being afraid. And you're going to have trouble with money. Those are stuff that we control. Salvation is something that we decide. It's something that God does. But this is something. God's giving us something to show us how to overcome fear. 
you know, it's interesting when you talk about, you know, the fear. I mean, there's, there's irrational fears, you know, and then there's, there's real fears, right? There's an irrational fear of, of alien abduction, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. that, how, how, how imminent really can that be? But, you know, is there a fear of, you know, uh, having issues of, of being scared? Like I have a, a, probably a fear of snakes. It's, it could be rational, especially if you find one in your bathroom. Um, and so, <laughs> but it, it, it's interesting to find that, that a lot of what fear is based in most people is this, the fear of failure, the fear of failure. And then when you add that on top of when God is calling you to do something or when God's asking you to do something or when you're trying to live your life according to his word, when you're trying to live your life according to his identity, there's this fear that you'll get in the way. Does anybody else ever feel that way? That the responsibility or the weight of what he's asking you to do in comparison to my capability. And so fear is, it can be such a huge mobilizer that really can cause the church to silence its voice. It can cause the church to not go forward because it is a fight. I mean, what God was asking Joshua to do was not something that was ever done. I mean, they didn't raise a weapon. You know, he gave them specific instructions. And so don't you know that there has to be some point when Joshua's in the middle of doing what God's called him to do and, and that fear that, that speaks sometimes in your right ear that says, is God really going to show up? Are you going to look like a fool? Is, is, is this really, did you really hear from God? Are you really doing what God's asked you to do? And so the fear of, of failure, the fear of just stepping out, you know, the fear of, of just having to be out of your comfort zone. One of, the, one of the huge fears that along with the fear of failure is also the fear of speaking in public. You know, to stand up and, and pray in public or to stand and to, 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 to share your testimony. If you've ever been in that, raise your hand if the first time you had to share your testimony that you didn't feel your hands sweating and your heart was beating and your knees were trembling, right? Um, and so, but don't you think that, that failure or... Um, how, how what other people would look is really based off of perception? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so if you could say one person's failure perceived by somebody else could be someone else's success. What, what happens is we, 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 we'll look at an individual and we'll see success or failure by what we see. We can't do that. We can't do that because one person's failure is another person's success. So what do you mean by that? Give me an example. Donald Trump. I'm not getting into politics. Don't get me wrong. I'm just talking about Trump. There are people in the South and, and across the United States that think Donald Trump was a great president. But he didn't get reelected. He was a lame duck, you know, for the last part of his, his, his you know. To him, that looked like failure. But he was the president of the United States. That's not a failure. See, people's perception of the truth is not necessarily the truth, but it's their truth because that's the only way they can see it. So if you're looking at perception and you're saying, okay, that's an example from somebody else seeing it, what's an example that, that God would look at, right? People may look at it as a failure, but God looks at it as a success. Can you give me something in the Word? There's a lot of them in the Bible, but... My favorite one is Joseph. You know, I'm not talking about Jesus, you know, stepdad. <laughs> you know, I guess that's what you'd call him. Joseph, the coat of many colors. Yeah, the Joseph. coat of many colors, the Old Testament, the Genesis, Joseph. He, um, 
He was his father's favorite like I was, so I can relate to Joseph. It is true. And uh, that wasn't my mom, but I was my dad. Um, he was his father's favorite. He was a dreamer, and he would tell his brothers, his 11 brothers, about his dream. And he had a dream that all of his brothers would bow down to him. And had like a young kid, he told his brothers the dreams. And they just got jealous. They said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to kill him. And we're going to tell, tell daddy that something ate him. That's what we're going to do. But his brother Reuben said, no. He said, we can't spill the blood of, our, blood of our brother. So what they did is they sold him to a slave trader. And they put blood on the, his coat of many colors that he had, you know, and, and uh, told dad an animal had killed him. But what they actually did was, was sold him into slavery. And then he, got, he was on the slave trader's market, and he was bought by this guy who was a, a go, go to that scripture, Genesis 20. What is it? 27? 39, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. <laughs> the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful, successful man. man. Even and though he, he was a slave. He was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did prosper in his hand. One man's success is another man's failure. I just, I believe, <laughs> I believe that we're going to be really shocked when we make it to heaven to see who's really there and who isn't. <laughs> I believe people have a perception of what a Christian is supposed to be like, and it's not scriptural sometimes. And that's sad. But this guy was a success even though he was a slave. People could look at him as a slave and say, poor guy. But God looked at him and said, he's successful. He, he goes on in, in this chapter to say, say it three more times that he was a successful man. Three more times in this chapter, this one chapter. And Potiphar trusted him so much that the Bible says, if you read a little bit further down, he said, the only thing Potiphar was concerned with was what food he would eat. He let Joseph handle everything. Joseph ended up going from that place down back into the pit where he was successful. He was put over all the prisoners. He was a trustee, but he was a slave and he was a prisoner. But he was a successful man in God's eyes. God said he was. See, we need to stop judging success by what we see and try to see what God sees. And that, then we'll see what success really, really looks like. I, I, um, I like the, 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 the example that, um, that's in the New Testament where Jesus saw a, a little woman. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and probably by all accounts, everyone who would look at her would not look at her as someone who had much, who, who didn't have a, probably a whole lot to offer because she wasn't wealthy, but, the, but she gave everything she had. She gave that widow's might, and she placed it, and Jesus recognized it and said, great is her faith. 
he saw her as a success as compared to others who probably gave tremendous amount of their wealth, you know, to the temple and to, to service. But this little woman who, by the accounts of everyone else, would look at her and say, she's not successful. But when Jesus looked at her, he looked at her heart. He saw that what she gave cost her something, right? right. What she gave was worth something. It was something that she gave everything that she had. So by Jesus' standard, that's success, right? That's success. And I can just imagine probably if that's all she had, what is the fear that, that comes sometimes when Jesus asks you to give everything that you have? What is that, that emotion or that fear that, that has to come over when you win? When, when God's asking you to do something that's going to cost you. There was a quote that I, I liked here, and I, I just wanted to, to read this. It says that fear isn't just a guide to keep us safe. It act, it's, it's actually manipulates our emotions that can trick us into living a life, a boring life, a, a, a life that's selfish, a life that is safe, a life that is not on the, 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 the edge of doing something that, that is out of your capability. You know what I mean? That, that, that kind of puts you into to this place where you're not comfortable. There's just not this comfortable zone that you're in. But anyone in the Word of God did anything, I guarantee you, they had to battle with the emotion of fear. They may have had to, uh, to, to deal with a, the, a feel of failure or maybe even a fear of success or a fear of loss or maybe a fear of being judged by others, right? Or a fear of losing their own identity, right? That feeling like that when they say yes to Jesus, that somehow that, that, that emulates saying no to, to who I am and that God's going to change me and he's going to make me be boring and he's going to not let me do the things that I really enjoy being about my personality. The fear of losing control when you actually take your hands off of your life, right? When you take your hands off of your destiny and you put it into the hand of God. Fear of your time of not being able to, to, to manage everything that you've got to do, um, and, and, and the amount of time you need to do, fear of, of really who I am. Am I enough? Am I able? Am I capable? The fear of, of just the loss of the, of the known, of, of, of if he's going to ask me to do something um, and, and I don't know how to do it, there's a fear of, of, that can, can grip us to say that I don't know how to do it, therefore I'm fearful to try to do it, or even a fearful of what's next. What, what's coming down? What's he going to ask me to do? Is he going to ask me to, you know, to get in a battle, even though we're in a battle, but it's just a whole lot easier sometimes to not pick up our weapon. You know what I mean? Just, just to be, just don't be active in the fight. Be Switzerland. You know, do what you want to do. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm supporting you. I'll pray for you, but I'm not going to get in that pit with you. I'm not going to fight that. I'm not going to pick up that sword with you because what would happen if I do that? You know, then I might have to be put in that fire as well. I might have to stand before a giant you know, as well. And so I think for, for the perception, and then I'm going to stop here, I think it was so, it was so a revelation for me because I had a certain belief system of what God called me to do and what, what God had equipped me to do. And so I was doing it. Then when, when this man surrendered his life, and he laid down his life, and he took on that mantle. He took on the call. He surrendered to the call. I would get so furious at him because he didn't do it the way I thought it should be done. 
Amen. I, I would look at him and I would just be mortified because he would say things that I would never say or he would do something that I would never do. And I was, and I was, I, I got into this place of, of just really um, a bitterness in me because here he was getting to go with T.L. Osborne, right? How he got to do that, I would have never done. How he got on a plane and he went to Papua New Guinea with Dr. Rob, how he fostered that relationship, I would have never done. So I sit in this place almost of, of a bitterness because why can't I be doing that? I've been the one faithful, right? I've been the one that's been tending, tending our, our, our marriage and tending, you know, and, and, and fighting for our relationship and fighting for our children. And, and look at him. And I mean, the Lord... You know, and I've, I've told you this, the Lord had to really chasten me. And he just, he just spoke to me and he said, I didn't ask you to do it. I think there are certain personalities, there's certain calls, there's certain things that call, God calls individuals. And they do not have to look alike. We cannot compare ourselves to other people. We have to compare ourselves to what the Word of God says. That should be our level. That should be where we place our... our uh, our assumptions, our, our abilities, our, our, what it is that he's asking me to do. And it took a long time for the Lord to tender those things into my heart so I would get on a plane. The first time we went on a mission trip, I was, I was scared as, as a scaredy cat. <laughs> and I remember sitting on, in Mexico, and I hyperventilated. I was breathing too fast, and I felt like I was fixing to pass out, and so they had the little barf bags, and so somebody handed me the barf bag, and I put it over my mouth, and I was just, <laughs> you know, just trying to breathe this thing out, so if you would have told me 10 years, 15 years later of what that catalyst did, well, I did it anyway, I did it even though I was scared, I did it even though I was uncertain, I did it even, I didn't know what was going to happen, God honors your obedience to do what he's asked you to do. And you don't, and I didn't have to do it like him. Amen. I didn't have to do it like him. Praise the Lord. You know, and so I repented. I told Paul that I was sorry. And I said, God's created certain people to be that one that's out there on that front line that is taking that sling and it is going and it is coming and it is a loud, obnoxious little thing that's running at that giant with his mouth. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to cut your head off, you uncircumcised Philistine. How dare you defy the army of God? You heathens, you vipers, you, you know what I'm saying? And then there's others that are there that are tending and that they're, they're working and they're, and they're mending and they're loving and they're serving and they're doing things in the background and they're doing in, in, in moments in intercession but whatever it is that God's called and created you to do you have to do it regardless of whether you think you can whether that you have the capabilities to do it that you just do it anyway you scream and you holler and you laugh and you just close your eyes and you go thank you Jesus 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 <laughs> thank you Jesus amen What we were talking about was perception, you know, and, and what cast out fear? Total trust in God always cast out every fear. It's just hard to totally trust him. Why? Because we're not in our word enough. We're not praying in spirit enough. We're not doing it. We're not connected enough to have total trust from, from time to time. Not all the time, but from time to time. You don't have total trust in God, so something comes along and it scares you. You don't see it through the way God sees it. 
because his perception of that thing is totally different than your perception. When you get in line with the way he sees things and the way you see things, you'll see less fear in your life from now on because you'll be able to see it the way God sees it. Perception is a dangerous, dangerous thing. In uh, the fourth chapter of John, go to my scriptures, fourth chapter of John, there is uh, Jesus is traveling and uh, disciples are with him and he stops at a well. And uh, it's actually it's Jacob's well. And um, he was tired because that was the human side of him, you know. I mean, he could get physically tired just like we do. And he was hungry and he was thirsty. And so the disciples went on into town to get some food to eat. And uh, Jesus was sitting by the well and this woman walks up. And Jesus said, can you get me a drink? She says, Samaritan, she was a Samaritan woman. Samaritans were rough people. Jews and Samaritans did not get along. She even made the comment, she said, what business do you have talking to me, a Jew, when I'm a Samaritan? Anyway, she said, she said, get your own water. And then Jesus said, well, I have water that you know not of, for living water. You'll never thirst again. She said, give me some of that, you know. And uh, he said, then, then go into our scripture. Anyway, she looked at, before, right before the scripture, Jesus, Jesus said, go get your husband. And uh, he talked about her husband or something. She said, and then she said, uh, Jesus said to her, he said, you've had five husbands and the one you're with now is not your husband. And this was her comment. Well, no, 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 there you go. So the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. What was Jesus? He was a prophet. He was an evangelist. He was a pastor. He was a teacher. He was an apostle. He stood in every one of the offices of fivefold ministry. But she perceived him just to be a prophet. Even though he told her, you know, if you'll drink this water, if I living water, you'll never thirst again. And so she, when he read her mail, she said, I perceive that, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Because he, he was right. Go to, go to the next one. It's uh, 26, yeah. Then Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Yeah, she said, I know one day the Messiah is coming. That was the scripture before this. And, she sa- and he said, that would be me. Then she perceived him as the Messiah. And that woman went, Jesus never went into that city. She would bring people to him and then... He sent her out. She went to and evangelized 10 cities as a woman during that time. But her first perception was, you're a prophet. You know, those people that have done a lot of rough things, they understand the depth of their forgiveness. Jesus said, those who are forgiven much love much. And this woman, she lived a rough life, it sounded like. But she evangelized 10 cities, but her first perception was not of the truth. It was perception of a partial truth. And that's what we have running around in churches all over the world 
is a perception of the truth of God. And they're not taking in the whole thing. They're taking in pieces here and pieces here. D different denominations, they ride on that one thing. This one thing over here. And, and another denomination will ride on this one. Not that it's wrong, but we need to get more of just a, a brief picture of what Jesus really is. We have to, we have, to have a, a total understanding. We have to perceive our perception of his truth is, becomes our truth. It's not, salvation is the beginning of the ride. It's not, thank God I'm not going to hell. That's not what Jesus is about. Jesus is about action, doing things. Things had to be done that only he could do, so he came here to do them himself. And when he did it, then he gave every single Christian the same power to do what he did. When I, when I got saved, I didn't perceive him to be the healer or the deliverer. I just needed help. That's all I perceived him to be. But the more time with him, the bigger he got. I'll never forget this. My first trip to Papua New Guinea. And it's a long trip. But, man, it's 12,000 miles from here. So it's a long way. But when I was leaving there, you, I was in a city called Madang. And uh, I was on a little plane. And it couldn't go high. There were mountains, and you have to circle inside that mountain range till you got to get up above it, and then fly to a bigger airport where you can get, you know, get home. But um, I was looking, man. And that, you could you could see the villages, and the higher you go, you know, you could see more and more and more. And God spoke to me on that mission trip, on that plane at that time. He said, "The closer you get to me, the larger your vision will be." Why? Because I see more of him. I don't see a piece of who Jesus is. I see all of who Jesus is. And that's what we have to strive to be. But today, we have a, cho we have a choice to make, you know. Are we going to serve? Are we going to believe? Are we going to... Hey, we got people lost, going to hell, in this room today. You can't have this many people in a building and somebody ain't going to hell, Right? I'm not saying it's you. I'm not saying it's me. I'm just saying. The Bible tells us narrow, narrow, narrow is the path. Why? Because narrow, narrow, narrow is the way that people see Jesus. They only see a small piece of him. They don't get the whole package. They don't get the whole picture. So they don't get the whole reward. Does that make sense? Amen. Stand to your feet. You got anything? All right, here we go. I, prom I made y'all a promise last week, and this is what it's going to be. So everybody bow your head. Close your eyes.